Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. Okay, Mr. Davis, before we have ourselves a big helping of tech gumbo here, tell everybody who's joining us. We have a good friend of mine, David Susco. We're going to interview him more in the second segment, but David, thank you for coming on. Of course, I'm, I'm happy to be here. So, David, we always start off the first segment by going through the news and updates of the week. And the first thing we're going to talk about is Microsoft's Defender antivirus. And some people got a little confused and thought that this software that's been free since 1993 was all of a sudden going to start charging. Well, first of all, 1993 was a great year for things to be made. So Windows Defender... It's just out there rocking and rolling. Is that your birth year? It is my birth year. I figured as much. Uh, happy 29th birthday to Windows Defender. But the way that Microsoft announced this was very confusing. And so I understand why a lot of people didn't quite get what was happening. Microsoft said it would be free with your subscription. And usually you have to pay for subscriptions. But the good news is that Windows Defender will continue to be free. That's right. When you sign into your Microsoft account, you're creating your subscription. This is not you have to have an Office 365 a subscription or something like that. This is really Microsoft wanting to tie that Defender back to, to your Microsoft account. And that's what this really was all about. It was just a lot of confusion and, and people got, got kind of turned out the wrong way. Is subscription even the right word to be using here? Does subscription imply that someone is paying for a service? That's a good question. And But I think whenever you have a, a recurring account, my guess is that Microsoft will in the future add some premium service to it because they're on their software as a service business model. But yeah, for now to have a recurring $0 charge does feel pretty weird. The subscription doesn't automatically mean it's something you're going to pay for. It could just be that it's an online account that you subscribed to. That's how I can I can see how Microsoft uses that terminology. And, but people automatically think a subscription I'm paying for. And yeah, it, I guess that makes sense. I have subscribed to several email lists that I certainly don't 
pay for. Right. But I guess when you're when you're dealing with Microsoft and you're expecting to be buying something from Microsoft on a regular basis. You would expect Windows Defender to help protect you from the new zero day flaw that's out right now. It's called Folina and it's another one of the big software packages that's out. The security experts believe it is from Chinese hackers, but the good news is you can go get the Windows security update for free and get it patched. That's right. We tell you on on this show all the time, if there's patches and updates, please get them. They're there for a reason. And this one is a big reason. This will protect your computer from a really nasty malware going around. So the phrase zero day is how long do you have before it becomes a big deal? Zero day means it is a big deal right now. As this is a like, uh-oh, immediately go update it. Zero day is the biggest. There is not a more pressing threat than a zero day flaw or zero day exploit. So go run your Windows updates immediately. Not to leave our friends at Apple out of the conversation, they're going to add a lockdown safeguard to the iPhone, iPad, and and Macs. And I find this to be an interesting thing to talk about and why they're trying to do it. So this stems from the arguments that Apple had with Israel's NSO group beginning last year. NSO is a Israeli software company which has provided a lot of hacking tools. And Apple has gone so far as to accuse them of being amoral 21st century mercenaries who have created highly sophisticated cyber surveillance machinery that invites routine and flagrant abuse. Wow, that is a scorching criticism that Apple is launching here. A strong accusation. And and of course, the this is Israeli companies going, eh, okay, we've had worse things said about us. <laughs> not just not just Apple, but also Google, who has put together this whole threat analysis group and tracks more than 30 of these potential exploit packages, publishes reports on them. That way people can be better defended, better prepared to combat these exploits. And the reason Apple's mad at this group is because they're the ones who came up with a way to get into iPhones once iPhones were locked up. And Apple has always said there's no back doors once you once that phone is turn off and you have to have a, the, the biometric or the password to get back into the phone. And this group said, no, we show you how to do it. And initially they were only selling this software to police organizations around the world, trying to solve murders and, and crimes and that kind of thing. And apparently they, they may not have such high morals anymore with who they're selling their software to, but the Apple folks don't like allowing people to get into their phones. Right. Apple's very big on security. And so in addition to creating this lockdown feature to prevent this hacking from the NSO group, they're also suing them in court. And so this is a full on war between these two companies, and we will continue to cover it as it develops. Moving along, we've we've talked about the European Union and and some of the legislation they've passed, the Digital Services Act we talked about a few months ago. Now they've gone ahead and done the Digital Markets Act as well. And this thing is a a whole nother big package of software that was overwhelmingly voted on by the members of the EU that is going to make it very, very difficult for the big software tech companies in the US they're going to have to really work hard to be compliant and still work 
on the European continent. Yeah, the European Union continues to be at least a decade ahead of us on any sort of digital regulation, on digital rules which protect consumers, protect consumer privacy, consumer data. All of these different aspects of the Digital Markets Act are just things that would drastically improve quality of life in the US. And we have to hope that the because the tech companies are complying with the European Union standards, they'll also just go ahead and comply in the US as well. And this is also, this is mainly targeting what we would consider very large platforms, so stuff that hits at least 10% of the EU's population, so about 45 million people on a regular basis. That's your, your Twitters, your Facebooks, YouTube, Instagram, those kind of platforms. And this is all about being that that gatekeeper company where they, you know, it's your social media platforms where they, they have all of this advertising and they have your 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 history. They have all of these profiles built about you and what they can and cannot do with your personal data. And that's, again, one of those things where we are 100 percent of you being in charge of your data not the big tech companies. Another thing is that you'll see predatory behavior from big tech companies where once they get above a certain size, they're able to throw their weight around and prevent startup companies from coming and breaking into this upper echelon. And that this Digital Markets Act in the European Union is trying to prevent them from choking out those smaller companies so that you get that competition, so that you prevent those monopolies or the duopolies and you actually have a healthy, diverse ecosystem of tech companies who all contribute different products and services. And once again, the U.S. is sitting on the sidelines, just kind of trying to argue as to whether or not we we have daylight savings time or, or daylight standard time. That's much more important than than how we deal with people's personal privacy. Some specific things that the Digital Markets Act goes into are preventing platforms from requiring developers to use the payment mechanisms of the platform. This is something that Apple and Google do wherever if you develop an app, you have to use the Apple Pay and you have to use the Google Pay. This allows Apple and Google to cut into the profits. Also, things like the ability to have messaging apps be interoperable. The fact that WhatsApp only talks to WhatsApp, the fact that Facebook Messenger only talks to Facebook Messenger, all of them could talk to each other. We have an SMS platform, which is standardized. You can send a text message on an iPhone on a Sprint network and go to an Android on a Verizon network. Totally fine. There's no reason that digital messaging apps can't also work together and talk together. So moving along to another story. There's the U.S.-based Cyber Readiness Institute published a report that said 55% of companies haven't gone to multi-factor authentication yet. And they are just begging people to please, please start using multi-factor authentication. Right. It said 55% of companies haven't even set it up yet. And of those that have, only 28% require their employees to use it. So that is one-fourth of one-half of companies require their employees to use MFA. And please, 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 passwords are not enough. It is so much more secure to have multi-factor authentication. 
This is something like an authenticator on your phone, something that you can access and will send you a code and then you can enter it in and it will be an additional layer of security past just your basic password. Absolutely. This, this could be the Microsoft Authenticator app. It could be the Duo app. There's several different apps that are out there which give you the extra layer of very easy security. I actually have to use multiple different authenticators while at work for various different accounts I have, I have to access. Absolutely. And and even, even if it's just we'll send you a text which is not as secure, but it is at least it is some level of authentication. The multi-factor authenticator, whether it's the Google, Microsoft, or whoever's multi-authenticator apps are always going to be very, very much more secure. And we strongly encourage you to move towards 2FA or MFA. Speaking of moving towards the future, Dish threw out a Hail Mary plan recently. They tried to lobby the FCC to allow them to reserve a specific bandwidth on the 5G platform that just so happened to directly coincide with what Starlink uses. The FCC, in addition to a lot of Starlink users, have come out against this plan. Roughly 70,000 people sent text messages and emails and logged on to the FCC website in protest of this dish network plan because oh by the way they're already using the spacex starlink satellite system not some proposed in the future 5g cellular network that dish is trying to do yeah the whenever you're the fcc you're going to look at this issue of who is currently using it who currently is able to operate their business on it and the fact that starlink is already in orbit already has specific plans has their business running and this just says oh well maybe we kind of sort of want it you're obviously going to side with starlink here it feels too late if dish had gotten the ball rolling with this five years ago then then maybe they would have had more success but no not after not after spacex has launched 2200 satellites into orbit in order to get this going very much agree speaking of spacex they the fcc said you know what in addition to shutting down Dish Network, you want to go ahead and move around with your dishes? We're fine with that, too. Well, this is a follow-up on a story we talked about a few weeks ago that Dish was complaining to the FCC that users of Starlink were having their dishes on the back of moving vehicles, and Starlink hadn't received FCC permission in order to use your dish in motion yet. But the FCC, instead of throwing the hammer at SpaceX, just said, fine. We're giving you permission. We believe it's safe now. Go forth and be happy. We've talked about how people with boats, with RVs, there were pictures in several articles we'd seen with people mounting a Starlink dish on the back of their car driving down the interstate so they could get internet, which is a bit extreme, but it was working. It's also important to think about why is it that Dish is trying so many of these things to go after Starlink like this? And then you start to think about, well, Dish's entire business model is people who don't want cable. And if all of a sudden you're getting your internet, you no longer need a subscription service to Dish because you just have your streaming platforms. Yeah, and, and how the, the number of subscriptions that, that DISH has had access to over the, the past 10 years has dramatically fallen off. Even just since 2016, the number of 
subscribers has gone down from somewhere around 14 million to around 8 million. So they're falling off a cliff. This is an antiquated technology. It's the modern day blockbuster on its way out the door in favor of more modern technologies. I completely agree. I will admit, still have cable TV here at the house. I'm an old guy. That's fine. You know, I I do have the streaming services as well. Just not ready to give up on my Cox TV. The Dish Network is just going to really, really fade away very fast. Oh, yeah. As, as David pointed out, they've lost almost 50% of their subscriber base in the past six years already. And then you have those people who are probably in a bit more remote locations, don't have that ISP piping them internet. They're going to put another dish out there that's the Starlink dish. Well, why do I have two dishes? I'm going to take the one which gives me internet, and then on the internet, I'm going to watch the streaming stuff. I don't need that dish network dish anymore. They have to just be quaking in their boots over this. And that's why they're trying anything and everything to hinder Starlink because their entire business depends on it. With the the Starlink, I can I can get my Google TV or my my Amazon TV and internet, and I don't need the Dish platform anymore at all. I can get HBO Max over the internet. I can get everything that Dish offers, but I can get it faster with internet access. This is this is game over. It, it really is. A huge deal. Uh, we're seeing a, a big shift in this technology right now. The last story specifically we wanted to talk about because of David being a geologist, the world's first operational sand battery can store energy for up to months at a time. This is fascinating. I've always been very interested about, you know, uh, alternative forms of energy, renewable energy sources. But one of the big drawbacks is power storage. It's still a, a problem that we're really trying to find new and innovative solutions to. And this article really is quite interesting. Sand has an incredibly high melting temperature. It's about 1700 degrees Celsius. So you can heat it up without having it melt and store vast quantities of energy as heat in large silos to store for months at a time. Basically, instead of grain silos, you have sand silos. And so we can build towers pretty easily. We can put sand in it really cheaply. And so all of this energy that you're generating, you store it as heat inside of the sand, and it's all really cheap. Yeah, your only cost is... How cheap can you build the silo? And then where can you get a large enough quantity of sand from? Stop by your nearest desert. <laughs> then the one problem is how do you get the energy back out? Yeah, uh, I imagine the process from going from thermal energy back into electricity is pretty inefficient. I, I think some interesting techniques could be developed. When you think about like the temperature at which water boils and turns turns to steam, that's only about 100 Celsius. So you could keep the sand at some temperature between 100 Celsius and 1700 Celsius, and it would stay in its stable form. And then you could introduce water in some way to produce steam that would turn a turbine somewhere. Again, not very efficient, but very, very cheap. And maybe it's these kind of new creative innovations that we need to start looking towards when we think about renewable energy. Well, heating water to turn into steam to turn into turbine, that feels very much something like we know how to do. And so if it's just the storage and then to turn the turbine, 
that that makes sense to me. I get that process. It's really going to be fascinating. This is still in in its early stages. They're they're trying to to take uh, about a hundred tons of sand and 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 heat it up and and see what they can do with it. As the story continues to unfold, this will be another one that we will try and look out for and report back. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.